And welcome everybody back for another weekly edition of the Heat Ratio Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Cotillo, joined by Coach Dave Dixon. And right now, it's only me and Coach Dave. Uh, John had a previous event. He may join us. He may not. Uh, Mr. Mataraki had to work, uh, paying the bills, which is cool. Uh, so, you know, he'll be uh, active, as always, on our Twitter account, uh, Heat Ratio Sports. So hit us up. But, Dave, we got breaking news right away, right before, you know, we do outlines for these shows, and I didn't even have it written down. And then all of a sudden, breaking news as of about a half hour ago, uh, MLB owners approve 4th of July opening weekend. So, obviously, uh, there's going to be a lot of logistics discussed. They're going to talk tomorrow with the player union, uh, figure out, you know, what Major League Baseball, how this is all going to work. Uh, we're talking 82-game season. We're talking universal DH, extra playoff round. Uh, no fans in stadiums, which I, I you know, I still I want to get into that because, you know, I, I've, I've been watching a lot of highlights, obviously, like we all are, because that's the only thing that's on right now. And I was watching a little bit of the uh, 2008 Phillies, and I'm just looking at Citizens Bank Park with the rally towels and, and you know, how infectious that, that energy is. And I'm just thinking, how are we going to do this with no fans? Uh, yeah, obviously – we can't control it. Obviously, it's something different. It's the new norm, no pun intended. But I, I just, I don't know if I can get into it, man. Because you know, I, I get to get, here's here's my my reasoning. I'm a huge, like you know, huge WWE guy, I'm a big wrestling guy. I have not watched wrestling in two months because I cannot watch it with no fans. It's boring as hell. There's no sound. Everything echoes. Every you could tell everything stage now where that you know there's no there, there's no feeding off the audience there's no back and forth really tough I haven't watched it so I'm being honest here I'm really afraid it's going to have the same effect on me I, I I don't know I hope it doesn't I'm just really afraid it's going to have the same effect on me how do you think about what, what what's your feelings on this whole new proposal Well listen I'm I'm going to be excited that we have live sports and. That's going to trend, hopefully, forward in a positive direction that things will get back to normal for us. Um, but, you know, the first thing that comes into my head, not the first thing, but one of the things, watching replays of stuff, is Bryce Harper's home run last year against oh. the Cubs um, and how emotional and how the fans and everything else. And I'm like, can you imagine hitting that ball with no one in the stands reaction, like, you know, players feed off of that stuff. Exactly. So, yeah, it's going to, you know what, man, it's going to suck, but I think we'll suck it up and, and we'll be happy with it because we're watching our team play and we're, and our, and they're competing and it's almost like it used to be. We're getting closer to normal. So. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. Uh, we're bringing it back, right? We're bringing it back. That's what I, I'm, I'm interested in, you know, reading up on some of this stuff, 23 rule changes, Tony, 23 yeah. rule changes to, to add to the crazy season. And you and I discussed one of them early. Uh, all games will uh, include a designated hitter. I love it. I, I mean, it's about damn time, in my opinion. I've been waiting for this for years. I, I love the universal DH. I, I, I've, I've been a big proponent of this all along. I've been a guy who says either have it for everybody or don't have it at all. And I, I, I just think now that you've introduced interleague play, and I think that's when it changed. When you introduced interleague play, that's when I think you should have came up to a conclusion to say we're either going to go full bore with the universal DH or we're going to eliminate it altogether. And I'm so glad that they're doing it right now. And I hope that this is a change that's going to stick even when we get back to the normal, you know, the, the, the normal presence in the, in the, with the fans. Yeah, well, I, I agree. One, one of the other things that's pretty interesting for the rule changes is extra inning games will be plays as follows. Now, there's a list of bullets that lead with this, but the 10th inning will have a runner on second base with no outs for each team. I think that's pretty interesting. And then it goes wow. on for the 11th inning, the 12th inning. There's different rules for – for each particular inning without getting too involved and reading them uh, step by step. But this one's interesting. There will be no spitting of sunflower seeds or chewing tobacco permitted. 
Oh, you know what? I didn't even think of that aspect, right? They don't want any of those germs flying around. Yeah. Yeah, so. Lenny, I mean, Lenny Dykstra would have a tough time playing in this era. Oh, man, a wad of stuff in their face. Yeah, I mean. He would have a tough time, man. Yeah. How about, and this, I haven't read in the rule changes this, but I wonder if this is going to be, you're not going to, I wonder if you're going to be allowed to argue with an umpire. You know how they get in those heated arguments? Uh, the face? Yeah, so, that's right. Like, like, what's going to happen with that kind of stuff? So, guess you're gonna have, maybe maybe gonna put a face shield down or something when you go out there. <laughs> <laughs> gotta come out with a face shield. <laughs> yeah, well, how about you know what? They're gonna argue it. I don't know how I got to this, but I had to bring this up. I'm talking about Gabe Kapler a little bit, only because you know I, I was reading an article and I, I you know, listen, Gabe. You know, for all his his you know Gabeisms, I should say, because there's only one Gabe Kapler, but he is literally. To read about him playing MLB The Show, he's – I don't know if you've seen this, but he's not only playing it purposely to gain an edge, he says, but he's actually having conferences with the coaches and the players saying, hey, I played the Cubs last night on the show, and Anthony Rizzo looked like he couldn't hit an inside fastball. Like, I, dude, I am not lying, right? So. This cat is being, you know, he's taking the ingenuity of going from a major league game, professional athlete, and he's comparing it to MLB The Show on PlayStation 4, and he's actually putting game plans together based on this game. What do you say to that? <laughs> I wish everybody could see Dave scratching his head right now. I, I don't – He's an idiot. I mean, I, mean I, I don't know. I don't know that that, and, and for that to be a real conversation. Oh yeah, it's even more of a problem. Like this guy's making millions of dollars, Tony. He's, I, he's got he's got one of the best jobs in baseball. Yes, he does. In, in San Francisco for the Giants. Yep. A, a prestigious uh, team, and he's their leader. It, it, it's amazing. Uh, could you imagine, yo? Could you can you imagine me, right? We're, we're, you're the bench coach. I'm the head coach, and I call you up. I say, hey, hey, Dave, let's hop on Zoom for a minute. I got some, and you go, okay. I hop on, and I'm like, hey, listen, uh, you know, I was playing the Angels last night, and I got to the night, and you're going, what do you mean you were playing the Angels? Say, oh, on a video, on a show, and uh, you know, I brought, I, I brought Caesar, you know, Hernandez in for the in the eighth inning. And man, he, he wolfed down all, all batters. One, two, three. I think we can use him. Go for you're going. What? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, bro. This is a video game we're talking about here, right? So I'll be able to use my 12 year old team that I coach <laughs> in Little League, right? And I'm going to put them on the computer in the games. And then I'm going to say, listen, write down all the things that you've done today in the video game. Let me know how this guy hit against this stuff. So let me know your notes. So 12 year olds that play video games every day are going to be able to scout baseball games now for us. That's what, that's basically what Gabe to me broke this down as that, that these video games are going to help us win games by scouting. Yep. He's re oh, he's reinventing the game, Dave. He's reinventing the coaching game. That's what he's doing. I'm you so just don't realize it yet. I'm so glad he's gone. I'm just, I'm glad, but, you know, I don't think this is going to end up like a Terry Francona thing where, where Gabe no. goes and, wins championships. Um, no, he, he, he's a far cry from Tito. Tito, yeah. Tito was just a bonehead. Like, you know, but he, he knew baseball. Tito knew baseball. Yeah. That's one thing you couldn't take away from. Gabe, I'm not saying he doesn't know the game, but he's, he, he's way too eccentric about it. He, he has to stop recreating things. Maybe if he would take his knowledge and just kind of invest it into the game itself and not try to recreate the game, he may not sound like that much of an idiot. I th I think I, I think it's extremes, right? Yeah. Like I think we deal with people in society like this all the time that take things to extreme, right? Like I, I forget what uh, guy reporter um, said this, but analytics are to be used as uh, an entree, not the whole plate, right? Like so so you have uh, you know when we talked about this before, right? You have your your side dish, your, your appetizer, and then you have your entree. Well, 
Dave Kapler thinks that th things like this, he goes, like I said, he's an extremist. So it's all, it's the whole plate. And then this is how we're going to use these things. It's got to be for everything. And like you said, he's played baseball a long time. He's, he's made it to a high level. So he knows what's involved to play the game, to make it, make it to the next level, to, to see some success. Um, <clears throat> he's just an extremist. It goes down to, his uh, his tanning of his body and his body parts, what he does with that, and uh. his, his drinks is, you know, all these other things. You know, it's it, he's an extremist, and, you know, you can't be all or nothing. It has to be – you have to be, a, as a boss that, that runs people and, and what gets the best out of all these people, you have to be able to use parts. This for over here – this for over here and put a plug them all in and make them work. What do you think Gabe's doing? Think about him in the quarantine, you know, no more tanning, no more anal bleaching, <laughs> you know, no more. Like think about poor Gabe can't get a manicure. You know, he must look horrendous right now. Uh, I'm sure. Yeah. He's, <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds like he's playing video games. Well, yeah, he's definitely getting his fingers to do the trick that, that that's for damn sure. But uh, you know, I, I listen, man. All, all in all, I, you know, I am, I'm excited, like you said, at least for the prospect of a live sporting event coming to life. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, I was, I was spoiled by the NFL draft. I, you know, overall, I, I really enjoyed the product. Uh, anybody who watches, you know, wrestling or UFC, I, I still can't get the no audience. But I think that's just because. You're, you only have a couple play, you know, a couple wrestlers. It's not like you're not, you don't having, you know, an entire baseball team. So I think it may be a little different. Uh, the Premier League for soccer is coming back June 1st, which is, I think that's very interesting because I, you know, I seen, you know, talk about the, the youth sports movement for a minute. And I, in Missouri, and I, I loved it, you know, because you, you have kids who play soccer. Check this out. So they are talking about, a July, a June 1st return to youth soccer. And check out some of these rules, Dave. So, number one, every time a goalie touches the ball, it needs to be a stoppage of play and needs to be sanitized. Number one, right, number one, you're taking everything out of the game entirely because now, you know, you, you train on plays – for if people know soccer and your your wing defenders, they're taught to go back and go wide. So the goal is used to coming out and giving them the ball. If he's not going to kick it or if he's not going to roll it or she, for that matter, he or she, you know, obviously gender neutral. But my thing is you're taking a whole element out of the game. And not only that, these games are going to be like four hours long, right? It says that each player is to have their own soccer ball. So if you're practicing – you're not allowed to use a club ball. Has to be your own ball, and and if it's touched from by a head or a hand, it needs to be sanitized immediately. No fans. As parents, which us as coaches might not might not uh, have a problem with this, but they drop their kids off, and then there's going to be a taped or roped area. They're not allowed out of their cars. They actually have to watch the game inside their vehicle. Okay, and and each I like the each spot is six feet apart. Wow. So, you know, and you have home side, visitor side. So, I mean, listen, my whole thing with the sports, and, and, and I I, I want to get your opinion on this because I, this is important to everybody listening because we all either have kids or grandkids or know people that play sports. How baseball, I think, is a little different, obviously, for certain reasons. But soccer and basketball with the, you know, the sweat and, you know, and, and the physicality of one-on-one, how does this work? And will it ever work until there's a vaccine or there's something in place? I, I just, listen, I want it to work. I, I, I hate that my kids are not on the field. I hate that me and you aren't on the sideline forming a team. I hate that we're not cheering somebody on. I can't stand it. Every time I watch a Facebook memory, it brings tears to my eyes because I know what could be right now. But at the same time, I'm not willing to put my children, and I call all the kids I coach my children, out there 
and put them at risk. So I don't understand how this is going to work. I mean, do you see this working at all? Honestly, obviously, I, I don't know. But I'm kind of proud in a way that we're trying to take a step forward um, and they're trying to take chances. Now, um, I'm also like this is Missouri, so it's not our neighborhood that's trying to take these chances. It's not our kids either. So don't get me wrong. I, I think I would be highly questionable if it were uh, somebody that we know and coached or, you know, in our neighborhood anyway. Right. Um, you know, I my emotions go so many different ways with this whole thing. Um, you know, I just got done talking to my wife about this, is that we're going to have to get out there and build some type of immunity somehow, some way to conquer this thing and get our bodies used to dealing with this type of illness. Um, do I want to, do I, you know, part of your question was, do you want to take a risk with our kids? I don't. Um, but look what this has done to us as, as a society. We now believe that everything is a risk. Yes. Right. And we're, have, we're what, two months into this? Yep. So three months ago, we were living our lives like there was no such thing or we heard about it, but it won't happen to us. And we all survived three months ago. True. We were all playing sports. We were all in school. We were all working. And this disease, whether people want to believe it or not, it was here already. Yeah, it was. Um, but I don't know, man. It's, 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 it's rough out there. It's rough. And, and you know, here, here's – Here's, here's the deal breaker, and you said it already. You're willing to put your kids out there and take a risk, and that's something that you have to really dig down inside, think about. And, and in my heart, Tony, and I, God, you know I have three children? Yep. I believe we have to take the risk. I believe as a country we have to take the risk um, because I, I believe that we have to build our immunity up and get stronger and figure this thing out sooner than later. But I think part of it is us getting out there and living our lives. Um, all right. You know, some of the things, yeah, I, I know we're, we're way off topic. topic That's okay. But, That's all right. Um, That's what's great about us. We do whatever about, we want. <laughs> think about what they're asking us to do, Tony. They're asking us to give space, which you should do already, right? I'm not hating the space. Right. I'll tell you that. So think about this, too. Wash your hands. Wash your face. Stay clean. Stay, uh, you know, if you're going to cough, cough into your arm. It's called being, uh, having manners and, and taking care of one another and, ha and being thoughtful. And that's, that, those type of things are what they're telling us to do. And, this, and we can battle. The disease is weak if you just clean. I know. So It, it, it gets killed on contact, man. So these are things that we should be doing already. You're right. Well, one thing I, I, I guess we could say is once the professional aspect comes back, maybe that gives us more of a sense on how to move forward with the kids. Because, I, you know, as much as – and I've been honest with you and, and the audience, and I, I had a really tough time in the beginning with this. I mm -hmm. uh, went through a depression stage that I've never felt before in my life. Um, I was scared to, to leave my house. I thought I was going to have to just call work and say, I can't come to work till this thing's over. Like I was, I, I was frantic. And then I, I woke up a little bit. was like, okay, listen, I, I understand it's out there. Um, but I also have to live life a little bit and I just have to be cautious. It's just what, what, what we have to do. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. So, um, you know, I, I still don't think it's a big deal to, you know, start in June 4th or whenever it's going to be. You know, let the kids practice, you know, uh, especially if you're talking about soccer, why kids can't stand 10 feet apart and pass a ball back and forth, you know, no handshakes, no, we, we get all that. We understand, uh, you know, baseball, you know, I, listen, you're having to catch. I, I get it. You know, I, I, listen, wear a bat and glove for right now. I, 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 I just think there's a way that we can slowly, like you said, we can slowly get back to some kind of normalcy because 
This is always going to happen now. Tony, you, you talked about, you brought it up, depression. And, and they're worried about COVID-19 and the death rate and, and the severe severity that this is taking on people. You, what you just touched on, how about our children's depression right now? That's true. That's the psychological effect this is having on them. And, and you know, the, the, the eating issues, the, the, the mental health issues, and all these other things. They're going to have more of a problem on the back end from this thing, what this has done, than, than the actual issue at, at hand. Yeah, um, I agree. And, and, it's, and it's, it's everything involved. It's doctor's appointments. You know, dentists aren't doing teeth cleanings. You know, doctors are doing telemedicine. That's great, but that's not checking my blood pressure. That's not, you know, so there's so many things that we've become lackadaisical now as a society that could really set us back a long way more than it would be as letting us out and governing ourselves and and telling us, just got to watch what you do. I mean, you know. And that goes back to what I was just saying. Wash your hands. Clean your face. Don't be up in somebody's grill when you're having a conversation. You know what I mean? <laughs> give, give people social distance. Keep, give people their, their space. Yeah, you know, and that goes for everybody listening out there. That goes for vehicles, too. Like, yeah. let me tell you something. When I go to a supermarket and I park 50 feet away from the door with nobody around, I don't expect some dude to be pulled up next time. There's a thousand spots, and you park next to me. Why? Like, what is that? Like, I, I never would do that in a million years. Like, I, so this goes for vehicles. This goes for everything. Just, just stay away from it. I'll be very happy, really. I, I got my family with me, got, you know, whoever. But social distance, man, I'm good. On the beach, you get your spot. All of a sudden, here comes the guy with the 30-foot umbrella that wants to get right in front of you. He's got half his ass crack hanging out because, his, you know, his boxers don't work. And, his, you know, come on, dude. Seriously. Why? 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 He's just got so, a Blackhawk jersey on. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, listen, you know, you know, sorry to go on that, but, you know, I think it's good to, you know, because as much as we don't want to talk about it, because it's funny, like, my, my daughter always be like, Dad, really, do we have to talk about this again? Like, you know, I get it, and it's it's nauseating, but at the same time, I think it's good to vent for a little bit, too. So, let's move on to some more pressing topics. Yeah. And which is namely the Philadelphia Eagles and a guy by the name of Carson Wentz. And I've been on this topic for a month. Actually, I've been on this topic for a year on why we are treating Carson Wentz like Donovan McNabb. And – before I get into – I mentioned on social media, for everybody who doesn't know, which you should know by now, but I run all the social media for, at, you know, Fox Sports to Gamble, affiliateinfluence.com, Heat Ratio Sports. I asked a question, and I got a response by somebody who says, huh, I've never heard anybody, you know, talk, to, talk about Donovan as DMAC. Really? Have you been under a shell? Am I – like, nobody's ever called him DMAC? I, I, last time I checked – People have called him D-Mac before, but, you know, that, but that's what I mean. That They're the kind of idiots out there that sit there and they say, oh, you know what, we need Nick Foles to come in or uh, you know, uh, Jalen Hurts will be starting by week four. Stop with the nonsense. And you know what? It's not only bad in the local realm, but in the national realm, in a first ever for this year, I don't mean ever, you know, first ever related, but for the first of 2020, there was a quarterback-only draft, fantasy football draft. I get it, but still, all in all, Carson Wentz selected 10th, 10th. I said to myself, there's no way he's a 10th-ranked quarterback in the NFL. He needs to be higher than that. So I start thinking about it, and I start thinking, okay, why is he – is it health? You know, is it – you know, because when you're looking at fantasy football, it's like, you have to look at, you know, is he going to play 16 or 17 games now because the rules have changed? Uh, you know, what kind of offense does he have? What kind of line does he have? What, you know, it, what kind of receivers does he have? You have to look at everything. But there's no way Carson Wentz to me should be number 10. So I start naming my top 10 to see where Carson fell. And, you know, we're going to go back and forth with this, which I, I, it'll cause from some really good conversation. Because as I was writing these names down, I started to think, wow. This guy moves up. This guy moves back. 
you know, I don't have a, I don't have old man Rivers in my in my top ten anymore. I don't have Matt Ryan in my top ten anymore. These are guys I don't have. There is no Andrew Luck because he's not playing anymore, right? So there's guys in my top ten who normally wouldn't be in the top ten. So I think we can both agree that the best quarterback of football is Patrick Mahomes. I think if anybody says differently, I'd love to hear the argument. Just my opinion. The guy's got the ring now. He's, you know, he, he, he's got, he's going to get the contract, obviously, but, you know, he, he's got the resume already, you know, and he showed what he can do, especially when he's not healthy, how he's still been able to lead that team. So I think he's still number one. My number two is Aaron Rodgers. And I still think Aaron Rodgers at 35 years old still has a lot. And I still, I'm going to say this again. I said this the other night uh, on, on one of the shows I was on. That Aaron Rodgers, I could see winded up in New England in another year. Something just, you know, I could, I could just see it. You know, we go into this year. There's, you know, between him and Lafleur out there. There's, there's, you know, back and forth. There's a little tension going on. He says, "Yo, trade me. You have Jordan Love. You draft him in the first round. Start him. I want to go." And then next to Bill Belichick picks up the phone, and boom, boom, he winds up doing the Patriot. But either way, for me, number two, Russell Wilson. To me, number three, love Russell Wilson, love, love his character, love his demeanor, love everything about him except he's a Seattle Seahawk. Only thing I don't like about him. The Sean Watson, number four for me. Now, he's four because of his actual talent, right? But overall, what I could say is the Sean Watson, I, I, I think you want to take his head coach and strangle him right now because he gets away and gets rid of his number one weapon in DeAndre Hopkins. That's going to hurt his value just a little bit. But for me, number four. And number five, I know I'm going to get flack for this, the GOAT, Tom Brady. Say what you want about Tom. Tom had nobody to play and throw with last year, and he still put up decent numbers at his age. They went to a different system. He dealt with a lot of injuries along his line and his receiving core. Gronk retired. Now he goes out on a Bruce Arians side offense, Tampa Bay, who has – uh, a number of weapons. We don't have to get into it. So for him to be number five to me is where he should be. Drew Brees at number six, 40 years old. I think he's still got another prime year left in him. I still think because whenever you play for Sean Payton and whenever you have Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, now Emmanuel Sanders, you know, he's got Taysom Hill out there that can kind of re- relieve him every now and then with sim- simple plays here and there. I still think he has something left. Lamar Jackson up next at number seven for me. Lamar Jackson, he's not higher for me. He To me, he's right in that middle. He's still electric, but he doesn't produce everything for me to be up in that top five. Then I go to Carson Wentz at number eight. For me, Carson Wentz is number eight. Carson Wentz has dealt with a variety of injuries. I get it. Uh, you know, people say he's never finished a season. Uh, or he's, ne- you know, you can kind of argue that last year because he did finish the season, but he got knocked out in the playoffs. But, you know, he still has – this is the kid who was the MVP up to a point before he tore his ACL. He had a bad situation after that. He's dealt with, a, you know, a couple injuries. But last year, let's not remember, let's not forget, he took a team that probably had me, Dave, John, and Mike at the wide receiver position and still took them to the playoffs. So I'll, I'll bang on Carson Wentz any day. Number nine – Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray to me is getting to a point now that he has DeAndre Hopkins, now that he has a second year on the Cliff, Klings, uh, Cliff Kingsbury system. Uh, he's got a, a revitalized running game out there. Kenyon Drake, it does a thing across the line. You saw as Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk. He has all the weapons to even be higher on this list. I think Kyler can push Drew Brees at six. That's how that's how much I'm in on Kyler Murray this year. And then rounding out my top ten is Jared Goff. I, I you know I don't think Jared Goff is a superstar. I think he's a very good quarterback. You know, obviously he's going to go as far as McVay takes him, but he still has that Kirk Cousins demeanor to me. Still has that mentality that he's never going to be the guy, but he's going to be a a nice player. He's just not going to be a great player, and and that's why top ten. So, what do you say about that, Coach Dave? I I like it. I like it. I have, uh, believe this or not, I have a difference of opinion. Oh yes, that's what we love about this. It's the, it's I mean, it's it's pretty close. A lot of the names are are the same. I I think um, 
The one I have in the top ten that you don't is Baker Mayfield. Wow. And I'm I you know I was made at Baker and I think this and that and all of them, but I do believe and you hit the nail on the head in the beginning of this uh, offensive coaching, um, your offensive line, your running game, and your receivers. So Mayfield for me is 10 because of the weapons that he has around him. And I still think he's talented enough to, uh, to do something. So I know I said my last first, I'll go back up to the top. That's okay. Pat Mahomes, number one. Lamar Jackson is my number two. Wow, we really differ there. Yeah, Lamar, Lamar. I mean, I just think he's going to continue to do well. Um, I think he's he can do a lot of everything. Um, and I think he's just – he's going to prove to people that his, his football savvy is going to even make him even more improved this year. And they're going to utilize him well. Their, their offensive scheme, um, I, I think – is it's very powerful and I think he's going to do well again. Russell Wilson's number three for me. Russell is a stud. I think they have a young DK Metcalf. It's going to be in his second year. Oh. Could be part like beast mode two out there at the receiver position. Yep. Um, my number four, Drew Brees. And I know he's the old man. Uh, I'm still going to say Drew because a lot of what I said and you said a thousand times before, he has the weapons. He has the coaching staff. He has the philosophy. Um, I think he can stay healthy. He gets rid of the ball quick. He doesn't take many hits. I think he's still going to produce. I think he's going to be between four and 5,000 yards again. And, and that's not hard to say because he's done it consistently every year, right, until yep. maybe he doesn't, which I don't think is this year. My number five is Brady. Um, I'm going with the old man because uh, I think he is rejuvenated. Um, I think he has a lot to prove. Um, and if anybody's watching the last dance, comparing the GOAT Michael Jordan to the GOAT and Tom Brady, I think if you get these guys motivated, these atypical personalities that need something to prove, he's got the right head coach for it, and he's got the right weapons around him. So I think he deserves top five until – Proves not. Aaron Rodgers is my number six. Um, I don't like Aaron Rodgers' um, all-around offense, what he has there. Um, Talent-wise, Aaron Rodgers is probably the most talented quarterback in the NFL. Um, his arm talent, his ability to move in the pocket. I mean, Patrick is probably – if Patrick's not number one and Aaron is, you know, it's one or two, right? Um, but I have him at number six, and it's strictly just because of – weapons um, and what he has surrounding him right now. Um, my number seven is our Carson Wentz. Um, Carson, to me, what he proved last year without weapons um, was phenomenal. I think that he held composure. He kept the team together in turmoil, right, and led them to the playoffs. There was people, there was the media, again, uh, his teammates apparently on top of him, and he continues to rise to the top and prove to everybody with his numbers and his ability uh, to play this position that he can do it. And, you know, Howie, um, Howie, our GM, proved how well he thinks of Carson by going out and getting him a plethora of talent around him. That is a joke, by the way. <laughs> that was my sense of humor. But on top of that, I do believe that, that Carson can prove to all of us that he is worthy of a seven spot for me, anyway, in the top ten quarterbacks. Deshaun Watson drops down to me for, for the eighth position, and it goes back to people around him. It has nothing to do with Deshaun Watson. They took away a stud from him. So I think his numbers will be okay, but I don't think they'll be as good as they were in the past because – DeAndre Hopkins made Deshaun look very well, and I know it works both ways, but DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best receivers in the league, and he just removed him from that team. So, which brings me to where DeAndre Hopkins went to, and that's Kyler Murray at number nine. I think he has tremendous amount of talent around him. He's got the right coach, um, and I believe that this kid 
it's amazing to me, but I, you know, he is just, he's going to continue to blossom in my opinion. And he's going to open so many eyes and what that, in that little body, what he's capable to do and, and capable of doing and his arm talent. And now you just gave him DeAndre Hopkins. I think it's going to be very exciting for me personally. I would take Kyler Murray in fantasy draft. Um, I would wait, and because all those other guys that we're talking about, I think would be ahead of him, and you'd be able to get him in like the fifth or sixth round. Yep, um, I agree. And my number ten, I talked about first is Baker, and it's all predicated on what Baker has around him. And I do believe Baker is talented enough and and hungry enough to prove everybody wrong. So. Now, you're leaving out – I'm leaving out, like, guys, like – and I think the world of the kid from Buffalo, Jared Allen, I think that kid's proven that uh, he can play. Um, you're leaving – I'm leaving out Goff, who has talent around him. Um, and I think he can play, too. Um, and, and this is scary, and I know this is going to rub people maybe the wrong way, but Dak Prescott. That, I, I agree. I'm with you. Dak Prescott, I, you know – before the draft, when Dak came out and went, and Wentz was – that was the same draft, right? They came out at the same time. I said that I would be perfectly fine if the Eagles drafted Dak Prescott. I watched him at college. I'm like, this kid is a smarter D-Mac, Donovan McNabb. You know, he's, he's a big, strong, strong-armed, knows how to play. He's a gamer. Um, so there's three quarterbacks that I left off there, but Carson Wentz has to be above ten in my in just my opinion. I yeah, don't, I don't I, think I agree. I don't think and and question marks on Breeze and Brady, right? I mean, we don't know when when Father Time is going to catch up to those two. You know, um, you, you don't know. Well, you know, Brady's got yoga and got Giselle, so yeah, yeah. he's very fortunate with that. But I mean. You know what I'm trying to say. I mean, yeah, man. Sean Watson, the Sean Watson, you know, he, he is a talented, talented player. But you took away – who's going to replace DeAndre Hopkins for Sean Watson? Well, that's the problem. I mean, you know, you can't put all your bags, uh, eggs in one basket, so to speak, with Will Fuller because he can't stay healthy. And Will Fuller's not even player. half the player for DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, he's he, not that type of player. Right. You're never I mean, going to fill DeAndre Hopkins' shoes. And maybe that's the wrong question to ask, but – Deshaun was at the level of quarterback play because DeAndre Hopkins was there playing receiver for him. Well, you know, you know, it almost makes you think about right. It's it's almost like I I keep calling us the Donovan McNabb effect, and the reason why I say that is for some reason coaches, and it happened to Brady last year. So coaches get enamored with the raw ability and the overall athletic fortitude I, I will say of quarterbacks and what they'll do is they'll say you know what he's that much of a player that I don't necessarily need a number one receiver with him because he's going to overcompensate for that void so what we'll do is we're just going to game plan better and use his talents and it's the wrong logic of thinking in my opinion because every time that you look at a quarterback and you Add or extract. Donovan McNabb is a perfect example. You extract it, a bunch of stiffs, and you add it to Terrell Owens. In one year, those two were could have had historic proportions if T.O. never gets injured. Just went to show you that how much better and easier you make it on your franchise quarterback. Tom Brady, when he had Randy Moss. How much easier was it when you have Randy Moss, right? It was so – but they said, hey, you know what, we don't – What's that? They went 16 and 0. Right. Because it was so it was so easy for, for Tom. So why, why do we do it? Why do coaches do it? I don't understand. It's almost like in their heads they say to themselves, like, look at the greatest show on turf. We talk about – one of the best quarterbacks of all time who didn't play that long in Kurt Warner, right? His story is amazing from bagging groceries to coming in and winning the Super Bowl, right? He had some amazing talent around him. Marshall Falk, Ozzie Keen, Torrey Holt, Isaac Bruce, the Reverend, right? These guys, that was a historic offense. 
So it was so easy for, for him at that time. He goes to Arizona, and he's playing with Larry Fitzgerald and Anquan Bolden. So, you know, you know Edron James in the backfield. So I, you, you look at these scenarios, and then you look at a guy like Cam Newton, who many people might not like. But you name me, Anthony Steve Smith, what did they do for Cam Newton? Nothing. They gave him nothing. So that's why I love what the Denver Broncos did in the draft and in free agency. I love how they gave Drew Locke every every weapon he could have. Uh, go out and get Melvin Gordon. So they're saying, Drew, listen, even though I know he's young, but listen, we're going to give you as much talent to make your job easier. All you need to do is run the plays. Run the plays, follow the routes, don't, you know, don't zone in on a, on a DB, and you're going to be okay. But I just think that it's almost like Howie in a draft when he gets too cute, when he thinks he's smarter than he really is. He's, he's outsmarting himself. Andy Reid used to do it all the time, think he's better than everybody. He outsmarts himself. And that's the problem sometimes with these, with these head coaches and general managers. And that's why I don't understand. You're doing these guys a disservice by taking away these weapons or not giving them any at all. I, I will never argue that. I know, I know as a GM, I know what they'll try and tell you. They'll pull up the analytics part of it again, uh, and they'll tell you that name me the last team, last team to win a Super Bowl with a top 10 receiver. You know, I hate that argument only because every situation is different. Yeah. You would have to dissect every single team, right, and see what they have on the defensive side of the ball, what their line looks like. There's so many different aspects well, of that argument. That's when I go caveman on you and I say, well, you're an idiot for thinking that, right? And I say <laughs> things like that, that make me feel better inside. Like That's really stupid thinking because why wouldn't I try and get this guy as many weapons as I can? Because here, here's how you have to think of it, Tony. And, and I know the NFL, the old saying is not for long. And if you're a general manager, that's how you have to think. When you have, you know, how many, how many horse races does your stud have in him, right? How many times around the lap does this guy have before he's all done? So my point of that is when you have a stallion like Carson Wentz, and, and everybody that knows and loves Carson Wentz thinks he's the guy, you and I are one of them. Why wouldn't you take whatever shelf life you can get from him and surround him with the most possible talent, the best scenarios you could possibly do? Why wouldn't you do that? That's what, if you don't do that, and this is why I can't stand how you're doing a disservice to your team, your job, number one. You oh. want to tell me your job is to preserve the future? I'm going to tell you right now, Howie, your job is to win every day. Every day. The day doesn't mean the future. The day is today. If you don't do whatever it takes to win today, you're not doing your job. And now you look at what you've done to Carson Wentz. Not only have you not surrounded him with the proper talent that he needs, that you could have gotten free agency yep. and through the draft, you've now added a second-round draft pick and a quarterback? Well, I mean, why would you do that? And, and, and let's not forget, along with that, to go with your argument, this is not the year to be adding players late. This isn't going to be like, hey, that guy gets released in training camp. There's going to be no training camp, right? But we're, we're not, you know, that, that, you know, that logic is flawed right now because it's not going to happen. So your team is your team. Listen, I just sat to a, a U.S. soccer meeting for youth about three weeks ago that said, there's no tryouts. Your team is your team. You're cutting nobody. That's what I was told. So it's almost the same aspect, right? This is not the year to mess around. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and I get it. Listen, I, I understand there's a business part of it, and I know that somehow, some way, you know, the Eagles are $50.6 million over the cap already in 2021, and there's going to be a lot of finagle on how he's got to do it. I get that. But at the end of the day, you have to, you have to give – Every opportunity, whether it be your quarterback, whether it be your defensive coaches, to win. And speaking of that, we have to talk about the Davion Clowney rumor. We got to talk about it, right? Because who knows? By the time this episode launches, he could be signed. He could be an Eagle Green. And you know, I, I was actually surprised when I ran the vote on at Heat Ratio Sports on Twitter. Uh, we got 146 votes in a day, which was pretty cool. And 
out of those votes, it was it wasn't like an overall, but it was sixty seven percent for to Davion Clowney that your we people are willing to look the other way, and thirty three percent for not signing to Davion Clowney. To me, give you my argument because uh, I want to hear yours. Uh, you know, my argument is, I get he's asking for a lot of money. I, I know you were one of the guys. My boy Lou was another guy right away. You know, my, my, my boy Brian Evans, another guy, you know, fellow listener, fellow friend, consistently too much money, $17 million. I get no, it. I wasn't that guy. Well, well you know, okay, maybe you were. Okay. Maybe, you know, no, you weren't that guy. Mike was that guy. Mike Mataraki, our, our, one of our co-hosts, because he said he'd rather sign Everson Griffin. That's my apologies. So my point is, you're paying Derek Barnett $10.6 million this year. So somebody explain to me, except for one play, what Derek Barnett has done so far in an Eagle uniform to solidify a first-round pick. So what I say by that is, you mean to tell me you're not willing to take another $6.4 million and invest that for a guy like Jadavion Clowney? Jadavion Clowney, I get it. You're going to say the sack number, blah, 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 blah. Listen, this isn't always about sack numbers. This is about the havoc that you that you wreak on that offensive line. And if you can wreak havoc up there, if you if you can be a game changer, which I remember my you know, my boy Vince Quinn was like, Yo, why are you saying game changer? And I was like, Listen, I just think he's a game changer. I do. I think this guy, if healthy, can cause a ton of drama and major issues in the film room and on the field. For uh, you know, for a defensive, uh, an offensive minded coach, and for your defensive football team. So to me, I'm all in on Jadavion. I, I I get the Carson thing, get over it because guess what? Everybody hated To too until he was a Philadelphia Eagle. We all hate guys that do things in other towns. People still wanted to get Antonio Brown here. They wouldn't. They didn't care, right? Nobody cared if he's an Eagle and he's out there, it's right? So and cool. he's killing Tony Romo, yo. Yeah, we're clapping. Yeah. You know, remember that Mark Carrier went down, got it, Michael Irvin goes down, and we're clapping, right? So we'd be doing the same thing if Jadavion was our team. So I'm all in on the clowning train. So I, I don't know who you said questioned you on Jadavion Clowney being a game changer. Um, but well, it wasn't questioned. It was it was like, wow, you really think he's that much of a game changer because they were looking at his overall statistics, okay. looking at you know, sack numbers and stuff of that nature. Yeah, well, see, that, that's the problem. So how, yep. how did he change the game for the playoff game against us last year? How did he do? Did he <laughs> One hit, right? One hit. So football games are measured on three plays, change games. Three plays a game change the, the outcome of a game. Today, you have Jadavion Clowney on your team. Your percentages go up that a game – will be changed because he's in it, and he makes a play. He makes this team a legitimate contender if he puts on an Eagles helmet. I don't care if he plays the last six games of the year. I don't care. It's Personally, it's not my money, right? So I, I never got into that argument. I never understood people's concerns, and I get it, the cap, all this, that. The, the, the risk-reward for me by signing him is greater than any negative so you put him on your team your defensive line rotation works a lot better your defensive backs work a lot better because every quarterback that lines up and sees that that crazed man over there that's going to possibly knock me out of the game lined up it changes the whole aspect of the game and if he's on your team you have great potential to do well and to win many games and and how about how about the coverage that he that, that he's going to command? How about the attention that he's going to command? I mean, you mean it, right? But the quarterback, your offensive coordinator, and your quarterback know where he's at on every snap. They're coming up. The off, the quarterback is coming up. He's reading the coverage first, and then he's looking for where number ninety is or whatever number he's wearing today. Um, you know, they're, they're they're definitely that is absolutely. A game changer, and the guy that you talked about, Barnett, he will be one of the guys that benefits from having a clowning on. See, 
here's, here's what you're thinking, Tony. This is the problem with people. $17 million, right? And they're worried about something like that. This is what they should be thinking. What do I get with that $17 million? I get somebody that can pressure the quarterback. I get somebody that when healthy causes havoc and is a game changer. But not only do I get that, I also get somebody that makes my team, 10 other players on defense better because he lines up. How much is that worth? That's what people have to question when they're talking about this money and worried about these things. I completely agree with you. I mean, you, you look at, you know, if I said to you, what line looks better, Graham, Cox, Jackson, and Barnett, or Graham, Cox, Jackson, and Clowney, it's a no-brainer. We're not even – there's no discussion, yeah. right? And like you said earlier, about 10 minutes ago, Howie's job is to win now. Howie's job is to win football games, right? So you put the best players you have the be, you know, that you're able to supply on the field. That's what your job is. You got, a real, you got a real problem if you were to line up Clowney and Cox on the same side. Oof. And let, let's just say that you wanted to blitz off of that same side too which I know Schwartz, my buddy Schwartz, isn't one of his things. But, you know, um, the, the players that we got in free agency and a couple of players that we drafted, they're capable of blitzing the passer. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting. It, you know, personally, it's, it's a no-brainer. You, you, I, I agree. And hopefully by the time we, we roll episode 113 next week, we'll be talking about, you know, number 90 to Davion Clowney. Hey, who was the the last person wearing ninety? Was Javon Curse, right? Uh, did he wear ninety? Um, I know, I know Corey Simon wore Corey right? Simon wore ninety, yeah. But uh, I thought uh, Javon Curse wore ninety too. He may have when he got here. Yeah. He you know who have. else wore ninety? John Harris. Mike Mike Golick. <laughs> Mike Golick. <laughs> Mike Golick. John. Wow, well, we're going back, but yeah. so we mentioned. Uh, you know, we got about five, ten minutes left, and I, I, I got two decent questions I want to get into. So, number one, Ravens owner come out, and the Ravens, listen, I think the world of John Harbaugh, I think he's one of the top two coaches in the NFL, hands down. Uh, you know, I, I loved him here. I love him there. I, I like his demeanor. Obviously, players love to play for the guy. And the owner comes out and says, listen, we're not ruling out an Antonio Brown edition. So, what I, what I want to ask you is sometimes, sometimes, we're not talking about Terrell Owens doing push-ups in his driveway. Antonio Brown seems like he lost it. He is, right, mentally unstable. Mm-hmm. After all his drama, do you think he could still be a viable option for any team at all? Yes. Do you really? Yeah, he's, he's a stud. Oh, no, he's definitely a stud. I, I, I'll give you that. Physically, but here's here's my stipulation. I'm I'm working for the Eagles. Antonio, you're going to come in for a physical. You're going to come in for a mental physical as well. We're gonna we're gonna run. We're gonna we're gonna pay you. We're willing to pay you a lot of money to play football here. We're going to do a one year prove it deal. And in the middle of the season, I'm going to tell you if your act is clean and everything else, we'll be willing to renegotiate in the middle of the season for another year. But these are parts of the deal. You are going to take a mental health test. You are going to get a mental health – you're going to see a mental health professional once a week during the season. That's how That's how like I'm bringing that. Antonio Brown in here. And, and I'm going to pay him good money. And, well, and, and, and that's – Good idea. Personally – there's no reason why in today's world with the way that we're supposed to be educated with the medical health uh, issues that go on, there's nothing wrong with doing that. And, and you know, who cares if he says no, okay, then you say no, but I'm willing, uh, you can come to play for me, but this is what I need. And you know what, Antonio, if you look at it this way, you go see a mental health professional and you prove everybody that you are, you're fine. I, I'll tell you, it, you know, obviously he's, you know, he's not going to be an eagle, but if he could play for anybody, I, I think Harbaugh in Baltimore, especially with the Lamar Jackson effect, I think, you know, he he's never had 
he's at Big Ben, obviously, but can you imagine him in a Ravens offense? You know, with, with, with Mark Ingram in the backfield, with, with Dobbins, who they just drafted. And, you know, you got Hollywood Brown out there. You got Lamar Jackson running around. I mean, I, I'll tell you what. He would be the ultimate addition to that Baltimore Ravens team. He really would, hands down. Listen, and, I'm going to tell you right now. I, I can pick three or four teams that he would put them over the top. Can you imagine him in a 49ers uniform? Oh, uh, you know, uh, how about if he gave Philip Rivers um, and Indianapolis an addition? Him and him and T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, I mean, personally, I wanted him before. I know he's a nutbag, I, I, but, you know, here's the other thing. The people are worried about the locker room, the locker room. The, you know what? The men handle themselves. Absolutely. And And if there's a problem with him, then he goes off into a corner – and people will will alienate him. That's how it works. Oh well, I was going to say you got Earl Thomas in there, but you know it seems like Earl Thomas likes hanging out with his brothers. You know, <laughs> so, yeah, it's a little Earl Earl got into some trouble, but yeah, listen, oh, you know, I I I do think we're going to see Antonio on the field at some point. Uh, I just think it'll be very interesting to see if he does wind up in Baltimore or where he could wind up, and you know what the stipulations like you so to speak with that deal. So. Last thing I want to end on, because obviously I think, you know, we've, we talked about the last dance on this. Uh, we talked about, you know, there's going to be a Kobe Bryant documentary coming up after that, Doc Holiday con- you know, documentary coming. And one of the biggest thing I took away, and, and I was a huge, huge Bulls guy. I can recall every playoff series they played from, you know, 91 – up to 98 and there's certain things to point out in my mind I can tell you where I was when John Paxson hit the last shot against Phoenix I can tell you where I was where Steve Kerr won the game I can tell you I, I can give you jersey numbers I can give you scenery everything I always dug Steve Kerr and I just thought Steve Kerr you know just by his comments in the locker room as a player and now seeing him as a coach I love his demeanor. I, you know, he, I, I, you know, I, I can't say I'm going to emulate a, an NBA coach, but I, I just like the way he has a relationship with his players, and but he brings the best out of them, you know, as well. Where he pushes them to the point where they're not trying to flip them off. They respect his game, and they respect his stature, and he gets the best out of them. So, what I want to ask you is, obviously, Steve Kerr wasn't a superstar, and so. I want to explain why you think Steve Kerr as the ultimate role player in the NBA, why role players are normally predominantly top-notch head coaches in their prospective sport, and superstars just don't get it done. You know, I can't remember the last superstar to be a head coach. Maybe could have been Larry Bird in Indiana when we're talking about the NBA, right? Uh, (laughs) But it's always – in baseball, the ultimate utility got the Mark Lemkes of the world, right? The guys that play all the different positions, you know, that, you know, I, I hate to say it, but, you know, Gabe Kapler, right? But, uh, <laughs> but why, why do you think that is? But why, why, why do you, why do you think that is? Why do you think the role player always becomes the better coach than the actual superstar? It's a great ending. We're kind of coming full circle here. We're starting with Gabe Kapler in the beginning. Yeah. And, um, talking about using all your parts as, as um, a manager and as a boss and as a leader, you got to be able to use all these different parts to, to get them all to work. And as a role player, you're exactly that. You're inserted in a spot to make this whole thing work. You know, first of all, role players – are very understanding and, and, and savvy about exactly what their role is. And they know their limitations and they know that I'm good at this and, and he's good at that. So, you know, superstars, my, Michael Jordan is, you know, that whole thing, phenomenal. We should just do a whole show on that because it's. Oh, bad. we could, man. We could, we definitely could. But getting to sticking to your point, the good role players understand every facet of what the part their part is playing and other parts. That's what the definition of a role player is to me. 
you not only know what you're responsible for, but you know on the court, let's say basketball, you know what all four other people are responsible for and where they're going and what they're doing. And they have, then they have to, they have to be knowledgeable of these things because guess what? They want to continue with their role and they don't want to mess it up. No. Right. You're right. So, you know, Steve Kerr watching his outtakes and, and the things that he talks about, they respect him. He's been there, done that. He's, he's also obviously been successful. So he knows what it takes to be successful. And his word is gold to them because like I said, he's been there, done that. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's a remarkable concept. It really is because when you look at, you know, you look at some of the, the really good coaches that we've witnessed, whether it be in the, the Jordan era or the Kobe era or, you know, the LeBron era as of now. I mean, I guess you got to you – know, you look at a Steve Carr, you look at a Doc Rivers, and Doc Rivers was a role player, right? You know, but the difference is that's what I think makes Larry, Larry Bird one of the most underrated players of all time because he stepped into Indiana – as he listen, Larry Brown was a super. Larry Brown, you saying Larry? Larry Bird was a superstar without even realizing he was a superstar, without even caring that he was a superstar, and he was a phenomenal head coach. Phenomenal. Yeah, he did. He, well, he did well. And, and, and there's not GM. many of that. And he became the GM. Yeah, you're right. And compared to what Jordan does in in Charlotte, as opposed to what big difference, man, big difference. So. I'm curious to see how Tim Duncan does when, once he gets his shot. Because Tim Duncan to me, see if you agree with this, it's a bold statement, but Tim Duncan to the NBA to me is what Chase Utley was to Major League Baseball in a sense that just students, visionaries, of the looked at everything, watched every action, watched every monologue. They, they, they ripped down what Pop taught them, Charlie taught them. Whatever they said, they just stuck on it. And I think those, those players are special, and they're the ones that make good coaches. So I, I'm curious how Tim Duncan does once he gets a shot. So I'm assuming that you think Tim Duncan's going to be an excellent coach. Yes, I do. Yeah, well, I, I'm going to agree with that. I just think that t- Tim Duncan is one of those guys – he was not the – I know this is going to sound funny, but overly athletic. Like, he wasn't the greatest athlete on the basketball court. He wasn't the greatest basketball player on the court. But wait, what made him the best was his cerebral thinking and the way he played the game. He, he was Larry Bird-like where he was able to use his mind to, to win games because he was smarter than you. Um, and, and that's, and that's kind of how I take Tim Duncan. Um, I think he's going to be an excellent coach. I think you're going to get here. What will you talk about? Steve Kerr been there, done that. And Tim Duncan is going to be, he's intelligent enough to be able to communicate with these young superstars that he's going to get. So he's going to be able to relate the, 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 the kids you're teaching, you have to relate to them. You have to get yep. to their level. You have to gain their respect by not becoming one of them, but understanding what they're doing and understanding what they're dealing with and be willing enough to talk to them about it. And Tim Duncan is definitely that. And he's learning from Pop. You know, I think it's I, – I can't wait. I can't wait for him to get a shot. No-brainer. He's going to be – to me, he's going to be an excellent coach. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I think that was a great way to end the show, man. Just talking about two great legends and talking about what it's like, obviously from two youth coaches to, you know, hearing the professional coaches and the mindset. So a really good way to segue to end the show. And who said me and Dave can't run a show together by ourselves? Went an hour, dude, 60 minutes strong, me, you. No pauses, no breaks. Listen, let me tell you something. That's something special because for all you people that listen to podcasts out there, I'm not going to toot our own horn here, but, you hear pauses. You know, me and Dave talked about this all fair. You're, you're hearing F-bombs and the stuff you hear on the corner. And listen, that, that's not what this is about, right? That's not what this is. You can, you, can, you can have a very good, friendly conversation and be clean about it. So, and, yeah, you throw your jabs in here or there. But it's all about passion. It's about knowledge. It's about emotion. And, and we bring all three. So, Dave, thank you for, for you know, being here for me, uh, you know, and for a whole hour by yourself. 
which is great. You know, screw Mike and John for leaving us alone this week. That's all right. Who needs that? Nah, I'm just kidding. So, as always, man, thanks. Thanks again. You know, at TKatillo23, Tony Jigsaw Catillo, Dave Dixon, at Coach Dixon 365, and at Heat Ratio Sports on Twitter. Follow us. Engage with us. Join the podcast on our anchor page, iTunes, Google Play, and we will get at you next week. Peace. Doing it for the love, so now I'm doing what I want.